right, hello, 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 and welcome to the Circuit Clouds Podcast, the official podcast of United League Baseball. I am Lance Mueller, and I am here with Charlie Qualls. Oh, hey guys, I love you like you're my brother's friends. That's probably a good way to love me, trust me. Um, and with this also is the commissioner. Say hello, Kamish. Hello, Kamish. Hello, Kamish. And we have a special guest with us tonight, a longtime listener, first-time caller, um, the GM of the L.A. Outlaws, Peter Vay. Say hello, Pete. Hey, good night, everyone. Hopefully I'm still the uh, GM after all the training I did. <laughs> Don't fire me. I think the only person who can fire you, I think, is you. So, um, obviously, we are at the uh, all-star break uh, in this 1979 season, but uh, there's been some exciting things happening, uh, depending on uh, how you're looking at it, with the Outlaw. So, we thought that might be a perfect time to do another in what we hope will be a series of podcasts, uh, sort of conversations and profiles with GMs in the league. We did one a little while back with uh, Manhattan's Eric Holthouse, and we thought this would be a great opportunity uh, to do one with Peter, uh, considering, again, all everything that's going on uh, with his team at the moment. Um, before we jump into that, though, let's, uh, Peter, why don't you tell us a little bit about your sort of background and history with OTP and sort of what brought you to the United League? Sure. So I joined, I think, about a decade ago or maybe a little bit more now. And I don't actually remember how I found the league because I don't play in any other OTP leagues. Um, At some point, I tried like a basketball online league and I wasn't very good. And I think when I was on their server looking for other things to do, I found this. So I joined up and it was a lot of fun. So I kind of stuck with it. Um, And that's really my entire experience. I've never played in another league. I play the actual game very, very little. So this is what I deep dive into when it comes to OTP. So you and I are similar that way then. I have never played in any other league except for the United League. I haven't really dug into too many other ones. I mean, I've played with uh, Tim and Charlie and Glenn in leagues before this. And so when Tim got this started, I sort of dove in. But I've never expanded beyond this. Have you Have you thought about it? Have you thought, have you looked at the, like it? looking at another league or trying your hand at something else? Or are you just sort of sticking with the United League? I don't know if another league is going to compete well with this, right? I don't want to do one where it's just add up the stats and you can win that way or one where the financials are too easy. Like this is the perfect amount of, you know, you don't have to be involved every single day to compete, but you do need to look at your team once in a while. And you can't just look at the stats. You can't just look at the ratings. The finances are extremely difficult. Um, so I think it's it's just such a great mix of everything I would want to do in a league. Yeah, Tim's done done a great job with that. Like, so Tim, we, you were at, we were having a or sort of a group was having a conversation online not too long ago. And P- Peter is now the what longest ranking uh, GM in the league now. Ooh, oh, you, you, let's see. You put me on the spot Longest here. One team. Longest with, with one, one team. team. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So twenty years. So this is actually actually it's a fitting time. This is uh this is Peter's twentieth season. He took took charge of the Outlaws in nineteen sixty, which um, in real time, let me look at that. Nineteen sixty would be two thousand five. So it's been fifteen years. Um, in real time. Um, so yeah, definitely one of the long time, 
you know, one of the old timers along with, uh, with Sean and Jeff to and, um, feels like Eric's been in the league forever, but he only came in in 71. But of course that was like 12 years ago in real time. So, uh, we kind of have this fake time, real time, time warp going on. We played like five, five seasons in the first 10 months or something crazy like that. So, um, but yeah, Peter is now the longest, um, longest tenure GM with one team. So, I mean, that, that alone is, uh, will be interesting to hear some of your insights on, you know, how you handle uh, the, the long-term, uh, you know, the long-term versus the short-term. Pete, like what, yeah. how do you look at that? Like when you're looking short-term, long-term with how you're handling your roster and, and particularly with this league, which has, you know, a little more complex finances than maybe other leagues do. Like what's your, you know, what's your, what's your tact on that when you're looking at uh you're sort of managing your roster you know um uh, for for the for the near term and into the future uh, aside putting aside what just happened with all the trades and everything sure so i mean i've tried to compete in every year that i've been in so i know i've had some lower finishes but if you look at my track record i'm usually in the top three Typically, I don't start the season, you know, being an underdog and looking to finish last or second to last or anything like that. So I try to put a good team out there. I don't know if that's going to happen with what I just did, but that's, you know, part of my long-term vision is I don't want to be picking number one for three, four years in a row and then try to compete that way. So I'm always trying to stay competitive. Um, I always try to acquire at least a couple of corner cornerstones to the team. So pretty much when I joined Hank Aaron was my first big pickup. And then I wrote Hank Aaron and Frank Robinson for many years until I drafted uh, Peterson and Durker, I think in back-to-back drafts, if I remember, or maybe there were two drafts apart. And then at that point, Hank Aaron and Frank Robinson got old. So I kind of rode the pitching wave for a while. So I, I'm not, partial to pitching or hitting i'll do whatever i can pick up at the time um but at the same time i every year i try to make a couple of deals where i either pick up some picks or get some long-term prospects so like last year i picked up the st louis pick in order to get tim reigns um you know i picked up a lot of third rounders over the years so that's kind of a running joke i have with glenn that Every trade I try to toss, get the guy to toss in a third rounder. And, you know, that's the way I will get, you know, a Butch Winnegar on my team or some other guy that ends up being a cornerstone, but was not a, you know, top prospect by any means. I figure if I get enough of those, eventually I'll get some prospects that come out of nowhere. So that's kind of how I try to build for the long term is a couple of high quality guys, fill in the rest of the pieces and then just keep drafting picks coming in so I think this year was a great example I mean when I started I thought I had very good pitching pretty good offense pretty good defense but my um, farm was ranked the number number three farm so I mean I was it wasn't like you know I was at the bottom and this was going to be compete with this team and then you take it apart I mean I already had other pieces that were starting to come up Uh, you know Randy Lurch is probably the biggest one and then Tim Raines if he ever develops so I'm always kind of building for the future and the present, which is probably why I don't end up winning at all. I think at some point it's probably best just to go all in. I just don't have the stomach for it because I don't want to have three, four years where I'm dead last in the league. 
Mm. But yeah, I think uh, I think also you were you were until a few days ago you were unique in that position where you had a contending team and you had one of the top systems and that's just that's just insane that's a that's a good place to be and i know you say well you haven't won it all but you know you get there every year you get to you put yourself in a position to get to the postseason and that's that's all you can do really yeah, that's how I see it, too. I mean, I think the playoffs sometimes end up being a crapshoot. So I know Manhattan's had a ton of luck with it lately, but I don't know if he's got the winning formula or it is what it is at the moment, you know. So I, it's exactly my approach is get there, and then we'll see what happens. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking back at your, since we're uh, on the, the, the draft picks, I'm looking back at your history. So 1960, your first year in the league. So LA was um, not a good team. When you took over in 1960, they, you know, they were an expansion team in 55. They actually had a decent year in 55. They finished exactly 500. And then they had a string of four losing seasons. And then when you took over, three more losing seasons. But then since then, I'm counting, um, let's see, in 16, the last 16 years, you've only had two losing seasons in 16 years. I mean, that's pretty incredible. It speaks to what Charlie was saying of like just the amazing consistency of this of this team. But um, just to go back to some of the first draft picks, it looks like the first draft pick you ever made was 1960, Willie McCovey. He's in the All-Star game. Uh, here we are 19 years later. So. <laughs> Congratulations on that pick. That was amazing <laughs> foresight that you could see 19 years ahead with that pick. Um, you actually drafted Joe Torrey in 1961, third, third overall pick. Pretty amazing. Um, in 1962, let's see, you got Tom Trash. All right, that was kind of a washout. But then, uh, like you said, in 64, you got, um, uh, oh, sorry, 63. Oh, 63 was Willie Stargell. Uh, 65 was Durker, and then 66, you got Fritz Peterson was the sixth overall pick. Actually, you had the fifth and the sixth overall picks. You took Steve Hargan, whoever that is, and then Fritz Peterson. Um, so, yeah, it, and that's the amazing thing about your team also is that you, of, of all the GMs, you tend to have, uh, I, you know, I don't think any team's had, like, the Durker-Peterson combo of, like, two aces, Um for going on like a decade and a half now of guys that have been, uh, now they weren't always aces. I think you had Antonelli there a few years. Um, mm -hmm. But I mean, the fact that you've kept players for that long um, is pretty unusual for the league. I mean, I will say that according to the BNN now, after these sort of slew of, of trades, you now have the top system in the United League as far as prospects go. So uh, you didn't hurt yourself too much with uh, with that. Um, like I'm, I'm curious about because um, you and I have, have over the years tried to have dealings with each other. We haven't necessarily um, made all those trades work out for one reason or another. Like, do you have a philosophy um, in your sort of trade dealings? Is there, uh, you know, a, an approach that you take, or is it sort of like a sort of one uh, trade? Uh, at the times, so they're sort of unique to the, in themselves, or in sort of, do you have a philosophy in your sort of trade action? I mean, I think for the trades that actually change the franchise, the philosophy is always 
give up lots of pieces to get one good one. My philosophy anyway. So, you know, early, I think the first few years of, of the league, I didn't do that well. I mean, I didn't have a lot to work with. So I was a little bit of drafting and feeling my way out. I was kind of trading in the other direction. So I traded Joe Torrey, I think, for a bunch of pieces, and that didn't work out. So then I switched over, and my next trade, next real big trade was the Hank Aaron trade, and that worked out beautifully. And I've been kind of trying to do that over the years, where I'm happy to give you three guys that could play in the majors, but I probably have someone just a little bit worse sitting in the in the wings to you know go get a Willie Randolph you know, type of deal. And I haven't really liked trading too many of my picks away. Um, so like I said, I, I'm trying not to deplete the farm system to the point where there is no future. So it's, I think, pretty rare that I throw a lot of picks in. Uh, but I do love getting third rounders back because that's about the only thing people are willing to toss in pretty much just to make you feel better about a trade. So whenever I think we're close, usually the tagline is, you mind throwing in a third rounder? And most people are like, <laughs> yeah, whatever. Third rounders don't matter. Um, but find, you know, and I think for a team that's has a lot of stars already, like Manhattan, Chicago, Denver, these teams, in order to afford any, you know, a real team, you have to have some third rounders that work out, right? You got to have a couple guys that make 500 or 750k, or so they can't all be first rounders making two and a half million bucks right out of the gate. So I mean, to me, a guy like. Wenegar is what you know makes you into a winner eventually. You know, it's kind of a no-brainer to, I don't know, even Dirk or probably was a no-brainer to draft. So that's I think that's not where you earn your money. Or Dave Winfield, I mean, more of an example recently. It wasn't like he was a hard pick to make. The hard pick to make is how do I build around him and can still afford it? You know, Gary Thomason, everyone laughs at him when I try to trade him, but the dude produces. And he's still 26. Somehow he produces. He doesn't want big money. So, I mean, you need those guys in order to afford, the, you know, Durker and Peterson at some point, I think, were the, in the top five in salary in the league, if not top, if not top five. Mm -hmm. you know, they, were making, they were both making 11 and 10 million, I think, respectively. To do that, you've got to have a Gary Thomas in. I, I, I was just flipping through a total UL and on the trade page as you were speaking, and I found... Um, this is a pretty shocking <laughs> revelation that I just found. A trade you made in 1965. Um, you, you just talked about, um, um, you know, giving away several pieces to get one piece. You did the exact opposite back in 1965. I'm looking at trade 105. You you traded away Willie Stargell, and you got Tito Francona, and then a bunch of draft picks. But the draft picks ended up being. Manhattan 65 first and 66 first, and those turned into Durker and Peterson. So those two guys actually uh, were the product of a single player traded away Willie Stargell uh, in 1965. So that, that's pretty, pretty remarkable. I think even during my latest runs when I've been pretty good, I've had first rounders. And next year I have two or three also. So, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to accumulate picks where I can, but if I'm going for a player, I mean, I've tried to trade for some of the best players in the league. It's just fallen through. So lately, you probably won't find too many trades where I pulled off a blockbuster and brought in a big guy, but um, I'm trying. The other thing I, you know, this is where I know we'll get into management philosophy at some point. I'm not patient enough, so I do tend to trade guys away that get hurt a lot. 
I, and I don't mean like the guys that get hurt for 11 months. Those I just trade to Charlie. That's, that's <laughs> <laughs> guys that are hurt for 11 months. But uh, the guys that like just constantly go down to these day-to-day injuries, they just end up pissing me off because I have all these sims where you know you build this nice lineup and then some guy doesn't play five of the 15 games. And they do it like over and over. And then that's that's what happened with Chambliss. He he's obviously you know a better player than than uh, Bruce at first base, but like every other time he'd be down three days day to day, and I'm like, what the hell am I paying this guy to to do? Like I can't build the lineup this way if you're gonna sit every few days. So I traded him, and I didn't get equal value, but it was fine. I, I felt good kicking his butt to the curb. <laughs> Charlie, I know. Qualsy, I know you did a little research and you wanted to ask uh, Peter about something. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I just wanted to get your uh, thoughts on the personality ratings uh, because I was going up and down the, at least the winning teams, and your team seemed to stand out in terms of guys who are uh, – uh, I'm just going to go down the list of what you started with this year. You had uh, Unmotivated Durker. Opinionated Forsh, Christensen, no hustle, Farmer, lack of effort, Stinson, slow to catch on, Weiniger, smart but lazy, Perez, no hustle, Bando, slow to learn, Maddox, slow to catch on, Thomason, unmotivated, unthinking, Winfield, smart but no hustle. Right? That's like that's like that's like eleven guys who bring. Oh man! You know what I mean? And look, I get it. And look, I'm the first one to stand up and say your 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 whatever you're doing is working. But do you think that has anything to do with it? And I, I know when you when you interview a ball player, the first questions you ask are, "Can you hit? Can you throw? Can you run? Can you catch?" You know, I get that. So. I don't know. I'm just saying, if they, do you, does that work into your philosophy in any way? So I think that's a, that's a great observation. I, I don't really read the personality too much. I do look at those low, high ratings. And when I'm drafting, I'm trying to get the guys that seem intelligent, adaptable, you know, the, some of the buzzwords. I really prefer to get the guys that aren't greedy and tend to be loyal just because finances are always a problem. But I haven't done that much on the personality side. Uh, I will say I was just joking with Detroit when I traded him Bando that he didn't read the fine print. You know, his big money was all at the end of his contract, and it was a team option. And I'm just looking at his personality. It says he's slow to learn from experience. So maybe at the least on the finance side, this really helps me draft a bunch of these dummies and, you know, kind of fleece them on their contracts and hopefully they can still hit at the end of the day. Uh, but I haven't noticed that. And chemistry may be what's working against me. I'm not sure. I blamed that, it on injuries, but it could be chemistry. Is that Sean Holloway that was slow to learn from experience or Bando? Who are you referring to? <laughs> <laughs> so, that, that's oh. awesome. Along those lines, do you, so you mean, obviously you look at things like adaptability and stuff. Do you look, do you specifically look to get somebody on your team that is labeled a leader at all to, to sort of, cause I mean, that's the thing that, that I did last year and I, I don't know if it necessarily helped. It's hard in these sort of things that are all built around algorithms, whether or not that sort of thing helps or not. But I mean, the only re again, I think I've said this before. The only reason Rusty Staub had a job last year was because he was a leader and I wanted to have somebody in the clubhouse where things weren't going good 
that maybe he could sort of rally the guys a little bit. Do you look for that in, in a, in a guy at all? Somebody who can be a leader in the clubhouse. So I have to say like, none of this was staged for those that are listening. Cause that's an amazing question. So two amazing questions in a row. So last year, the draft was kind of wonky. Like the first few picks were okay, strong, but even Tim Raines wasn't a great number two. And I think in most drafts, he's a mid rounder because he was so far you know, down in his development. Um, but with my last couple picks, all I did was look for guys that are leaders. So I got this guy, Max Venable, who's never going to do anything, but he was high on leader. Like, that's all he does. Right. He can steal some bases, but basically he does absolutely nothing. And then I did the same with, with Dan uh, Petrie, Petri, whatever his name is, Peaches. You know, same, same concept. Like, I don't know if he can pitch, and he'll never pitch in the majors. He'll never see you know, the light of day out of the minors, but he was a leader. So I didn't do it so much in the big leagues just because it's been really difficult to find those guys that can actually play and have that quality. But I tried it this year in the minors. I got one on the offensive side and one on the pitching side to see if it would help. So I figured if, if for some reason Max helps Tim Raines develop any faster, he's well worth the third or fourth rounder or whatever I'd pay for him. So I'm giving it a shot, but I don't know if it does anything. I think uh, Mike Morgan, too, you just traded back for him. Says yeah. He's got skills, but I, my my scouts were starting to warn me that he's starting fights. <laughs> Wait, is that true, Charlie? <laughs> it's true. It's true. That's, it's true. that's, that's crazy. That's funny. That yeah. says he's a leader, but low, low intelligence. He's a, yeah, so he's, he's a dumb leader. But that's, you know we're exactly dealing with want. lifelong we're dealing with life, lifelong athletes here, so you're not probably gonna get you know the smartest guys, but yeah, so that's crazy, huh? Okay, this might be a good point for a little interlude here. I know last year was um, a, a very difficult year for LA because because you came so so close. Like we've talked about how many top three finishes you've had which is um, almost every year, I would say probably 15 out of the 20 years, uh, you've, you've come in the top three. But last year was the, probably the most heartbreaking uh, finish of all because you had, um, you ca came down to the last day of the season and you missed out the playoffs by a single game. But, uh, and that's always hard. And you know, that happens a lot, of, a lot of years that happens where a team will miss by one game, you know, last, last day of the season but in in your team's case i think it was particularly hard because um you had the second best uh run differential in the league uh 1.2 um that's the average run, run differential which means on average you were winning games by 1.2 runs the only team higher than that was chicago um so i went back in history and looked at um the the best non-playoff teams, the best teams that just missed the playoffs. And what I came up with was LA 78 was by most measures, this, th there's only one other team that was uh, kind of had harder luck and that was 1955 Washington Monument. So that was back in um, the, when there were only 10 teams in the league and only two teams made the playoffs. So, um, so uh, it, uh, the question for you, I guess, Peter is like, did last year's experience of like just missing by a game and you've, you've come so close 
uh, a number of times. You, you've won, a, you've won the pennant a few times, but then you know faltering in the playoffs. Did what? How did how did that change your approach going into '79, or, or did it, or or did it have any effect at all? So, I mean, it, it didn't have a huge effect on how I went into '79 because I thought that. The team was that team was great. The '78 team was great. I really felt bad for Derker and Peterson. I, I felt bad trading those guys. I really wanted them to win one in L- L.A. I just didn't think it was going to happen with this team. Um, after another one of my pitchers went down, so I mean, four years in a row now, I've lost my number three pitcher, who was at the time pitching the best on my team, to a 12-month 12-month injury. So Dennis Leonard, then Hooten, then Vern Rule, and then uh, this year, whatever the guy's name is, Forsh. And, you know, and actually right before we took our real-time break, you know, the best player on my team took a career-long injury, uh, Henderson, who at the time was like nine contact, eight power, like some crazy stats. I mean, he was basically Dave Winfield, and he was mid-20s or maybe 28 at the, at the oldest. I mean, that dude should have been on this team. And study wasn't. You know, my outfield should have been Winfield Henderson, who was a center fielder at the time, and Orta. But anyway, I mean, the only thing that really came out of that last year, the you know, the last day loss was I basically wrote off Goose Gossage. I said, I'm not resigning this guy. He took 10 losses that year. And I was like, this is the difference between me making the playoffs and not making the playoffs. I mean, the dude is a complete stud. He cannot take 10 losses. He just can't. I mean, he can't play for me if he if he's willing to take ten losses. That's the bottom line. He just can't play for me, and I stopped negotiating with him. And you know, I was kind of looking to trade him, but I figured let me try to win this year, and maybe I trade him in the off season. But when the teardown came and Charlie came knocking, I was like, "Yep, you can have him. He's, he's not an LA guy." Let me ask you one thing real quick about Gossage. Did you consider starting him? I he did seems not. to be pushing to start. Yeah. And, and he's and got Glenn four pitches. He's got three, you know, three stamina. But I don't know. I thought maybe you plug him in, call up Lurch, and keep going for it this year. So, and Glenn brought up the same point when I traded him. He's like, I, I think he's going to get a shot at being a starter. And again, this is where like I'm a little bit probably too thick-headed for this. You know, some of you guys were on numbers, or like I, you know, I'm the George Steinbrenner of this league. Like <laughs> I'm not made to win. I'm just made to compete and you know make noise. Um, but I didn't start him for a couple of reasons. I mean, one I really like to start is 250 innings. So I think I was the last guy to get off the four-man rotation, and I only did it because. Somebody called me out after uh, I think Hooten got hurt that it's because I'm pitching my guys too much. I was like, you know what? I'll go to. I don't want to be the one guy that looks like a bad GM, so I'll do it. Um, but until then, I really was. You had to have ten stamina to play for me, nine, ten, because you got you had to go 250 innings. You know, Durker and Peterson sometimes went through 300 innings, which I loved. It was like I don't need a pen. Have four guys that pitched 85% of the inning. So that was one reason I never started Goose because I couldn't picture him going too long with three stamina. I was also worried because of his control. I was like, with Goose, every guy either strikes out or walks. I was like, between three stamina 
but how many pitches you're going to have to throw to either strike out a guy or walk a guy. Like, how long can he really go? I mean, he strikes out more than a batter per inning. I mean, the guy is insane. Yeah, I mean, they're games he'll go in for two innings and strike out five guys. But I'm like, as a starter, does this work, or is he going to be Nolan Ryan but with three stamina instead of ten stamina? <laughs> so I, I never tried him, but I, I'd love for him to try and start. I'd like to see well, that's him. That's the good news and bad news. It's you're going to find out. <laughs> uh, I, I'm looking forward to it. I think he might be standing on the mound day one of, of after the break. That'll be interesting. So we'll see. Awesome. He took a hit on stuff when I moved him to starting. So started toggling him to starter. You know, he now he had nine stuff, but everything else stays the same. So mm-hmm. he should be all right. So let's talk about this. Um... Uh, this uh, sort of rapid dismantling that's happened in the last few days. Um, you, Peter, you, I mean, obviously you've gotten, um, I, I mean, basically you got in Denver's entire draft, uh, next year's draft from him. You got another first round draft pick from, I think, to, uh, somebody, Detroit maybe. Um, and you also, I mean, you picked up a number of, guys who look to be very soon quality starting pitchers with Steve and uh, Steve and Morgan and Trout. Um, and you also got a couple of guys who have very big expiring contracts, which I'm curious to know with that crew uh, and Garvey is, was part of the plan to, have these guys be salary dumps so that you would have a ton of money in the off season next year to go after whoever the top free agents are that are going to be coming out. So that maybe you could turn this team around literally possibly in one season and be back uh, being pretty competitive next year. I mean, it's almost like you bugged my office. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, that is the plan. I mean, cause you know, I'm looking at my lineup my lineup is not terrible. Like I could live with this lineup if it was my opening day lineup. You know, I still have Wanager at, at catcher. I still have Bochi at, at first, so that's fine. I still got Small Smalley at short, who I think is good. I picked up Castino early in the season, and I'm fine with him at third. You know, the outfield is the same as it was. You know, Winfield, Thomason, Orta, who all made the All-Star game, so I'm fine with them. Second base, if I keep crew, it's crew. If I don't, um, I've got a guy in the minors I don't mind playing who lines up fairly well with Willie. Willie is better, uh, but the guy is fine. You know, I'll play him at second. I'm okay with that. The pitching, you know, is, is a disaster. So, I mean, I've got a lot of guys that could be number threes, um, but I need to find a number one and number two. And I'm hoping that Steve and Lurch are those two guys. So Randy, I'm actually going to call up. I wanted him to cook a little more, but I mean, he's got the stats to pitch right now or the ratings to pitch right now. So I'm going to give him a shot. Maybe he'll get the you know initial jitter innings out of his system. Steve's got to cook a little bit more, but if he's ready next year, I got those two guys, Trout, maybe in two years. And you're right, if I'll have about 15 mil in off-season money, maybe if I can get uh, who's the pitcher everyone gets every season. Uh, Manhattan just had no. The Washington has him right oh, now. Oh, Holtzman. 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 Yeah. If I can get a Holtzman. Like I, I don't mind going to battle with a Holtzman, Lurch, Steve front line, and then 
you know, the pitchers that I'm using now in the middle of the rotation and Rosemont and Paxton have been pretty good. Um, you know, Willie Hernandez will take over at closer. I think he's a closer anyway. So he'll, he's not goose, but he's, you know, he's a decent closer. Um, so I think that could work. And then I've got two first rounders. One is Cleveland's, which could be a middle. Denver's, I think, will be late. I had no intention of that being even a middle. But maybe with the middle of the first round pick, I can get a guy that's ready. And that's so, like, I don't know, maybe this team is ready next year. If not, maybe two years. But, yeah, I wasn't going to take, like, a five-year hiatus. So the trades had to include guys like Steve. I mean, as I pushed for him hard, it was like, he's got to be in the deal. Like, there is no deal. You know, without him, Trout was the same. There was no deal without him. Like, these guys are going to be, I think, ready in two or three years. They'll be ready before Reigns. Reigns is going to be like the, the cherry on the on the ice cream, you know? It's if the team actually fires and kind of grows up a little bit. I mean, I don't have anybody in my starting lineup that's over 30, I think, even. I mean, I have Carew, but he's not part of the plan. There's nobody in my starting lineup that's... Winfield might be the oldest guy now at like 26, 27. Bochi's 27. He's the oldest dude in my lineup. And in the in the in the rotation, it's even younger. You know, the old man in the rotation at the moment is um what's his name? Paxton at 24. He's the oldest that's guy crazy. I'm, I'm, I'm relying on. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, there is a chance I could be back in two years, maybe three. Well, I mean, I think if you look if you look past the Holtman, even, I mean, there's a lot of like definitely higher older aging but higher end pitchers that may not be on their teams after the season i mean you know on washington you got we don't know what what mark waller's going to do but i mean you've got you got vita blue who might be in the free agency you know at san francisco you got both jenkins and i think moose who are possibly coming up you know you've got uh, Don Wilson in Boston who's got a player option after this year. I mean there's there's a potential a lot of really good veteran pitchers who could be out there and yeah if you've got you know 12 13 15 million to spend I mean you could turn that rotation around really quick. Yeah, I could probably get one guy cuz I cuz of the number of picks I have. I picked up a lot of second rounders too. Mm. I, I won't be able to cut yeah. 15 million, but yeah, you're right. Like if I can get one of those guys, I mean even a guy like Vida Blue, Vida Birch, and Steve, that's not too bad. And then Paxton has been a beast. I mean, he's a 2-4-6 ERA, you know, his first year as a starter. Rosma last year was pretty good. Um, I, I don't mind going to battle with those guys. I mean, that's, that's pretty good. I was just going to say you've got, um, you've got six picks uh, in the first two rounds. So that gives you um, – that's some more material to work with, right? Like you don't have to keep all six of those picks. You might, you can always uh, deal some of them uh, uh, to, like you said, that, that's going to cramp your finances a bit because second rounders are what, like 1500 or something like that. So you're going to have about eight or nine, eight to 10 million tied up just in those draft picks. But um, yeah, I mean, I think you, you look, it is scary looking at the, the youth on this team that are, they're not even really prospects, right? Like Paxton, you mentioned Paxton, this guy's already performing at 2.46 ERA in, uh, in 12 starts. Like that guy is a, a solid, uh, third or fourth starter. Uh, like Rosema is, 
is doing okay. Uh, you didn't men- one guy you didn't mention, Larry Christensen. He's been mm-hmm. he won 15 games for you last year, so um, he's only 24. So um, yeah, it's 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 not even really fair to call it a rebuild, right? I mean, it, maybe it's a re- maybe it's a, a, a quick turnaround rebuild or like. Um, you know, you're dumping a lot of 35 year old guys and, and, and giving the keys to these younger players. But I, I don't, I don't see this team like dropping to sixth or seventh at all, like this year or next year. Yeah. More like a yeah, reboot and a rebuild. I, I hope so. I mean, I, I think Durker was the only huge piece I lost. I mean, Peterson is good, but I mean, Obviously, no one's building around him. He's a one-year rental, maybe two. I think maybe he can even pitch three, but he's starting to be a number three style pitcher. And like I said, Goose, I'm going to replace with Willie. Um, Randolph, I've got a replacement for. And Bando, I was never going to give him $11.5 million. I mean, the dude was dumb for signing that contract. He was never <laughs> going to see that money. Uh, <laughs> Were there any reservations in it? I mean, just I'm sure this is probably just how it shook out. The the Denver, you know, came calling a number of times. Was there any reservations in sending a bulk of these guys to an inner division uh, rival who might, with the addition of some of that, certainly with that pitching, um, provide a greater competition for you in the near future? Yeah, I mean, there definitely was. Um... It was tough, but just Denver had the right pieces and and willing to deal. And because I'm I'm you know I'm not a patient person, I wasn't even going to wait till the trade deadline. So like Brooklyn is offline because he's in the middle of a move, and he probably could have used some pieces and has some pieces to trade. Um, but I'm like I've been trying to get either Lee Mazzilli or Chet Lemon from him for like three years, and because he's got three center fielders, he's got the best one in the game, and then he's got those two guys playing when somebody gets hurt and couldn't get him. So I was like, you know what? I'm not going to wait for him this time around because, yeah, he's being conservative. He likes his team. So what am I going to bother him about? Um, So I did reach out to everyone. I'm surprised you got no complaints that I I hit up every GM that I ever saw online. Some some people multiple times. I was (laughs) like, you sure you don't want to trade? Yes, go away. (laughs) Are you sure? So I really did try to hit up everyone. Yeah. And frankly, the teams that are in the top five, except for Detroit, didn't have pieces. You know, I, I spoke to Chicago, Manhattan, Boston. They don't have the pieces right now. I mean, they were in the same place I was. You know, it was well, maybe even worse place. Like they they didn't have the prospects to cha- trade. I thought I could get something done with Glenn. Um, but really, the only thing I really wanted off his team was, uh, was uh, what's his name? Rance Mullenix. And, you know, I try to do a small and something for Rance, uh, but Glenn stood pat. He was like, no, that's fine. So I figured Rance wasn't really uh, ready to play short in terms of defense. I thought that was the way Boston can kind of go for it now is, here you go, ready to go shortstop. Plus, I don't remember what else. I'm willing to give him something pretty good. Um, so, so I did try to make deals with some of the, the other guys in the in the East. It was just Detroit was the only one with any pieces. Um like I said, Brooklyn was never on. Cleveland, I did make a deal with. Washington is standing pat, plus he's kind of aging. So I try to trade a lot with Washington before the year. 
and like I said, I, I've been going for some big name players for a while. Uh, Otis, I've been trying to get for two years. Nobody will pull the trigger on that dude. Can't get him. Can't get Vita. Uh, so I, I, I think I'm maybe one of the more active players in, in GMs in terms of requesting, you know, making trade proposals. I'm always testing the waters. It's just who's got the patience to deal with me all the time. And this time it was Denver. So maybe lots of patience. Maybe you're 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 one of the reasons that they, those guys won't deal with any of us. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, but I think that's got to be a big part of the success, right? It's just persistence. I mean, what the hell? Why not? Why go for it? Yeah, you you got to ask every girl out if you want to date. <laughs> <laughs> wow no just the hot ones that's the well, no no every every he said oh, everyone every <laughs> i think that's the, that's, the, that's the quote the of, one of says the, yes <laughs> that's right there's more than one dance right <laughs> that's right <laughs> tim do you have any more questions or thoughts uh okay yeah here's a question for you so again we mentioned you've been the gm of this team for 20, 20 years. Looking back, who are who have been the, your favorite players? Uh, I know you mentioned Dirk, like Durker was uh, uh, really hard to hard to let go. But um, and and you mentioned Hank Aaron. Um, are there other players who, when you look back, are like they were the you know favorite your all time franchise favorites? Uh, Frank Robinson, definitely. He was a guy I was really it's. It, really sucked when he was finally done with me and he ended up going somewhere else for like a year, year and a half. And I was like, why aren't you retired? He was, I think, 40. I, I really held on to him as long as I, I could. Uh, but at some point, he wanted too much money to you know, do nothing but sit on the bench. So I let him go. And I don't remember where he went, but that one hurt a little bit. I was like, just finish your career here and that's it. Um, but I, I like Frank Robinson. He was a good guy to have. Uh, I like my catcher at the moment, um, Wanagar. He's another guy. I, I don't know if his stats, his his uh, ratings are great, but he does a great job. So I like him. Um, who else did I like? I like Jimmy Wynn. You know, I don't know why. I just, I, I, yeah, I love that guy. Uh, he's. I think you and I have similar taste in. in Jimmy Wynn kind of reminds me of a Thomason type. Um, yeah. If I, if I recall, like he was kind of a, a low contact, but good eye and good defense. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I was, I wasn't really trying to build around contact until you guys called me out on a podcast. And I, <laughs> I think I did a flurry of trade and I switched the entire team around except for Thomason because nobody will touch him. And I think I, <laughs> I traded all the high power guys and went to go get contact guys. Um, so I don't remember, maybe that was two years ago. Whenever you guys started the first podcast, <laughs> and you were yeah, doing this first probably, season preview, yeah. and you're like, yeah, you guys are like, his team is great, but why the hell is he building power hitters in a pitcher's park? And I was like, all right, that's it. <laughs> Let's go get <laughs> contact hitters. <laughs> that's really interesting so, but but i do like the the low contact i mean I, I like you know that philosophy of you hit a home run or you walk like that's your job i you know everything else is kind of yeah let's try i have 
great respect for Chicago, the way he's built his team. I didn't think that works, and it obviously does. Um, but, and I don't have it in me now to go on another trade flurry and build a Chicago-style team, so I'm going to stick with what I got. Um, but, yeah, I've been doing – in the past, it's always been high power, uh, high walk guys. If you can play defense, that's great. I've never had one of the better defenses, but I appreciate defense. I love Ozzie Smith. I try to get him. I try to get back Lou Whitaker. I, I, I like the defensive guys, but not at the cost of hitting. So I kind of like hitting. It's it's weird that I'm in a pitcher's park. I'm trying to think who else I like, though. I like those guys a lot. I wanted Mike Epstein to be good. I really wanted that dude to succeed. And he was just never good for me. But I liked him a lot. He, he fit the team so well. And he's from the Bronx. You know, I'm from Queens. You know, nickname is the Super Jew. I don't know if I'm the only Jewish GM, but I'm one of them. He was low contact. All he does is walk and hit for power. I was like, this guy is the best. And he was just never good for me. But I wanted him to be good so, so much. You can see he played like a decade and was never great. So he may be one of my all-time favorite guys that just wasn't that good. Charlie, you got any other questions? Any other queries? No, I'm good, man. It's uh, it's good to hear uh, your perspective on things rather than just you know reading texts or messages or whatever. So it's good to hear the hear your voice. If, if that doesn't sound too weird, <laughs> man, it's so good to no, hear your I voice. Mean, I, I got a question. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I've got a question for you guys, though. So, I mean, now that you've kind of heard my philosophy, um, I mean, do you think that you know when you're trading with me, are, were, did you think I had some kind of like solid approach to the game, and now you realize it's all random, and I just tear it up and start again and switch from power to contact just because someone told me to, and the next day do something else, like? Does it add up now, or do you still think there is something behind my approach, and you know, rather than just complete random chaos? Well, I mean, no, no I think what Charlie, you're saying. Sorry. Go, Charlie. Go ahead. No, it's the the persistence is. I, I think we've all felt that from you in some form or another, um, and, and that's that's not a bad approach. I mean, you you want what you want, and you go after it. That's that's a good way to be. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think it just shows that I think it demonstrates your your flexibility, and that the that you're not um, the fact that you're not wedded to one single. There's more than one way to skin a cat, right? And there's more than one way to win at fake baseball. And I think what your your what your approach is is showing is that um, you've been able to kind of pivot on a dime and still still stay competitive. Where, whereas maybe a lot of GMs are just stuck on one single formula and they'll stick with it through thick and thin and they'll finish in sixth place for three years in a row, but they're like, oh, I want this time, this type of team. That's the kind of GM I am. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I think the, the way you're doing it is, is working. And, you know, you mentioned, um, you know, the home run hitters in a, in a pitcher's park. I'm looking at, obviously your team has been, um, if not purposely pitching oriented, the, the combination of your players and your park has put you in the top five in pitching like six of seven of the last eight years. But also, 
you've been in the top five in offense a number of times. Like last year, you were third in offense. Back in 73, you were third in offense. So you've, you've found a way to put the pieces together to produce runs, um, even though you're in a, in, in a pitcher's park. So, um, you know, we might have called you out on the podcast about the, the power hitters, but if you look back historically, you've, you've been able to both score runs and prevent runs um, basically in the top half, the top, and often in the top five year after year. So whatever you're doing is working. Yeah, I mean, I think if you even look at, I mean, you you mentioned sort of Chicago and the style of sort of team that I built. I mean, I've always had a pretty pitcher-oriented team, but in this sort of thing in the last couple of years of trying to build a team around um, like really high contact and sort of getting on base and being a team that that hits, you know, sort of for the gap as opposed to hitting, trying to hit home runs, um, you know, and then, you know, and then we have a podcast and I listen to Glenn talk about how, you know, it's really the offense that's going to win you championships. It's particularly in the way that the sort of playoffs are built now, where we have you got to get through two teams to be able to win the championship. And you really see that in the last year, I've like tried to move more into emulating your style of play, which I, you know, I went out and got D.W. Roberts from you. I went out and got signed Joe Rudy, went out and traded for Andre Dawson to put more offense into that, you know, into that sort of lineup so that. If, if, if it works well enough to get me to the playoffs again, I'm really looking to be more of an L.A. team, which is have really good pitching, but also have enough offense to when we go up against the Manhattans and the Bostons to be able to to be able to hopefully defeat them because last year's loss was just crushing and disappointing. So, you know, I think you, whatever you're doing to try and make it work, I think again, like as Tim said, there's no, there's no one way to win a fake baseball. So yeah, nothing that you're doing is like, and eh, this guy is an idiot. Like, you know, it all, it all makes sense. Cause there's, you can see that there's a plan at the end of, of the maneuver. So. Yeah. TW was a great pickup, by the way. I had nowhere to put the guy, but I think he's a great player. Yeah, he's been great so um, far, and uh, you know, I was surprised virtually nobody came knocking for him. But he was another one. I I went into negotiation, and he got under my skin. I was like, "How much money <laughs> you want to back up catcher?" Like, not gonna happen, dude. I, I put him on the trade block like that night. I, I played with the, you know, the, the computer for like five ten minutes trying to come up with some deal he would take, and he wouldn't take any. So he hit the trade block that night, and I think. We came to a deal fairly quickly. So I'm like, that's it. Like, I don't, yeah. <laughs> that's a, so that's, I don't negotiate that way. That's how, that's what I got to figure out then to, to, to work out deals with you. Cause you and I have troubles working out deals, but I just got to figure out when you're pissed off at somebody and when you're pissed off at somebody, <laughs> then it'll make it a lot easier for me to try and get them from you in the future. Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to put that in the old memory bank. So a couple of days ago, it turns out he was pissed off at everybody. Oh, I was so mad. <laughs> down. Because you're right. I could have called up Randy and just said, Lurch, and said, you know, you're number three now. Let's do it. Or or, or move Goose to starter and, and give that a shot. I was just pissed off. I was like, really? Four years in a row? Literally my number three. Whoever I put in number three, it's like, it's a bad place to be. They get hurt. And always for 11 to 12 months. It's not even like, oh, it's a month. I'll fight through it. But... That, that pissed me off so did, much. Did you consider trading some of your younger pieces and uh, filling in the holes? I did. I, I I did put some feelers out there. 
um, you know, to get, like, I went after Trammell, kind of, but Detroit shut me down pretty quick on that. I, I went after a couple guys, because I was like, you know, um, Rand Smolenix was another one. So I went after a couple guys under 25, where I was like, I'll throw the kitchen sink at it if I can get somebody to play, you know, with, with Winfield and Winnegar and, and a couple of the other young guys I have, and, and maybe, like, let's just do it right now, you know, sign a couple good pitchers in the offseason and, and get back on the horse right away. Like, forget drafting and, and doing all that stuff. Uh, but everyone was smart. Nobody would budge on any, like, top-rated prospects that were, like, already in the majors, proven, ready to go. But I tried. Like, that really was, like, <laughs> my first thought was, like, all right, like, let me just go get, like, two guys, thin out the minors, but rebuild the, you know, the major leagues right away. It just, it wasn't happening. The owners have gotten smart. St. Louis won't deal with me at all. He's gotten smart after last year's uh, first-round debacle. Um, yeah, he, he was funny. I was like, Do you, would you consider trading your first? He's like, no, not again. Like, you sure? <laughs> first and two seconds. I offered him the Cleveland first. I was like, it's just trading down a little. You get a couple seconds. It's like, no. Yeah. <laughs> that conversation ended quickly. Yeah, he remembers. Uh, he's, he, he remembers the first date. He's not going to go out on a second date. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, he he was smart. It may be the right way. I don't know if I would do it the way he would. You know, if I was St. Louis, you need all the assets you can. I mean, he's just I think a couple steps behind everyone right now. Um, but no, I mean, look at. But the number one pick or number two pick, whatever he's going to get, if you can go get a Ricky Henderson or, you know, Hornsby or some of these guys that have been number one picks, yeah, that's you can't go wrong with that. That that's easy. So he was smart not to deal with me. But you have to give it a shot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, well, Peter, I mean, if we if we not covered anything that you want to talk about uh, about the league or about anything else, if we uh, if we missed anything. No, I think that was I, the questions were were really good. Um, I mean, I, I will close and say that there's a bunch of guys on the chat I talked to about non-league stuff, which I think makes this league unique as well. Uh, I'd forgotten about that when you asked, you know, why would would I consider another league, and that does make this league unique. I mean, there's three or four guys I talk to, even if it's not about anything about baseball. Um, I, I think that's that's really cool about this league. Yeah, definitely so. Charlie, Tim, any parting thoughts before we wrap this up? Um, I got nothing other than the current bad attitude team is Seattle. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's good. All right, <laughs> Which might explain it might explain why you know we picked them all, but they're not doing so hot. Okay. So, that's uh, anyways, they're they're the, they're the front runners. Yes, yeah, so we we need to get Eric Clemens on now, like to figure out what, what's going on with Seattle, right? Like, uh, uh, but uh, no, I think yeah, I think that's the, the cool thing about this league. I'm looking at the names of these GMs, and I'm I'm thinking these are guys. We've a lot of these, more than half the league, more than half the GMs have been in this league for 12, 15 years. So it's um, it's pretty cool. And then and the new guys coming in. Um, I, I think a lot of them are kind of are meshing really well, and hopefully we'll 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 join that club of like long time, long standing GMs. Thanks to Peter for thanks thanks for being a, a great GM and a great uh, you know you've been a bedrock in the league for many many years, and uh, you know you all would not be the same without you. And uh, and thanks for coming on the podcast. 
Oh, thanks for having me. It was really fun. Yes, thank you, uh, Peter, for uh, for uh, indulging us, and um, that's going to wrap up uh, this uh, this podcast. Hopefully, we'll get an opportunity to talk to some other GMs uh, in the future. But uh, until that happens, and until we do another one of these, uh, as we like to say around here, here's to fake baseball. We are the Sultans. We are the Sultans.